You're listening to Pod of Wonder, the podcast that creates a world using random Wikipedia articles and then plays a game in that world. This season, we're putting together a heist. What are we supposed to be doing? I'm sorry. I don't know. What are we doing this time? Are we making the game? Yeah, we're uh, making a, a game this season like we have done in the past, not frequently, but I, I think at one point planned to do. And now we're doing it again. Yay! Uh, newly hatched from his crystal red egg cocoon. I think mm-hmm. that was the bit back in season yes. one. Yeah. So we've got, I think we've so. got Russell back with us. Somebody who, who knows game mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in a game-making mood, so... Yeah, this will be a a different kind of episode since we are trying to make something f- that is intended to function for longer than the period in which we are creating it. Mm. Uh, like we, we do have to play this game at least once. So that's some pressure on us to deal with the choices we make. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it will not make good ones. That is true. This will also be a different kind of episode because Eddie is not in this episode. So there is a reduced chaos energy. <laughs> and yet Eddie is also probably the most prolific game designer of the group. That's also true. I am certainly not a prolific game designer. Me neither. I'm not mm. any kind of game designer. I, I think the important thing about that is that each of us maybe look for different things about role-playing games, like whether that's mm. mechanics or or characters or... Like, there's all different things that we each enjoy. So mm-hmm. we all have different perspectives on what we want from a game. Mm. And so we can try to mush our tastes together into something that we all like. Yeah, and that, who knows, maybe we can, like, we can put it on itch or something. Yeah. For other people to play, maybe one day. Who knows? Yeah, I'll, I'll post the, the game again in the Discord. Heist, uh, heist, baby. Yeah. Working title, Heist, Heist, Baby. I'm into it. That should definitely be the title. Uh, Hi, everyone. Danny here. Just because I have given everybody on the podcast the document I was working off of, I decided I would just save us some time and put a description of what I have come up with in After the Fact. So this is an RPG kind of inspired by Mad Libs, that old game question mark where there's a pre-written story with blank spaces to it and one player asks the others for words to go in those places and then reads the story out loud and you know the result is something funny or weird or whatever. Uh, In this game characters have a role in a heist and a list of words associated with that role. For example the thief has words like sneak and crack and appraise Uh, The face has words like charm and disguise and distract. So the game master is going to put challenges in front of the other players during the heist, and they will get past those obstacles by using those words in the sentence, like, I'm going to get past this guard by disguising myself as an employee who belongs, you know, behind the scenes. The characters are experts at what they do, so when they use a word, it's always going to be successful. However, there might be consequences to their actions, or they might draw attention to themselves. 
Once you've used a word, you mark the word, and so you aren't able to use it again. You can unmark a word by choosing to fail at the challenge. So you would automatically draw some suspicion on yourself, but you get another chance to use a word you've already used. Uh, you also have the use of the word flashback. That's when you go back in time to when you were planning the heist and describe how you plan to deal with the situation that you find yourself in. So it's kind of a freebie success if you can't think of a way that any of your role's words can apply to the current situation. So my goals for this were to basically get some feedback on the, the word mechanic and kind of test it out, and to come up with a way of determining failure and consequences, whether that's going to be a random mechanic like dice rolling or something else, and also to come up with a way to determine like what cumulative consequences and failures look like, like what, like how that impacts the heist itself or or the characters. Okay, now let's get back to the group. Um, so outside of character creation stuff, I also wanted to kind of work in a mechanic for basically getting caught. Like, these are animals in a robot world, so, like, they're, obviously, they're in a completely different environment. Like, I want something that would either, like, track suspicion on them or like how close they are to getting caught by security and like there's a lot of different ways heists can go wrong and i don't know if i want that to be like a like one single mechanic or like mm. each one is like a different track so like there are like a lot of slow burning uh clocks basically instead of one large mm. one i kind of like had it a spitball of an idea if for that if um if i can say that now or should i wait until um let, i'll finish like discussing all the things that i want to make and then we can take them uh one by one cool sounds good all right go for it go ahead because we created the gamblemoles that there God. is a a group of people watching this heist and betting on the the things that are going to happen uh, specifically when things go wrong. I also want to create a kind of out-of-character betting mechanic where, you know, you can say, like, you know, not the things that your own character is going to do, but, like, oh, someone else will, will like, get caught or, like, fail this role or something. And, and when that happens, you as a player or your character gets some kind of bonus from that. You're betting on what's happening, too. Yeah. Okay. Like you, either you as a player or you as like a separate animal gamble character watching are, are betting on what happens. I don't, I don't know if there needs to be a distinction with that. It can just be like you as a player for, for simplicity's sake. Right. As long as you're not going to like uh, stack that and be like, oh, I bet this is going to happen. And then you go, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Like you, you can't bet on things that your character does because otherwise you could just go ahead and do it and like get the bonus or whatever. Uh, before we get too much further along, uh, I have read this uh, rules document, but I haven't listened to any of this season. So <laughs> is, is this going to be like a setting neutral role-playing game or will there be more surprises like these? Did you say betting moles? 
So for the most part, this could be just like a generic heist uh, type system. Um, the betting mechanic only exists because of an episode we did where the point of the heist isn't to get a thing. It's that rich animals are paying other animals to go into the robot world for their own entertainment. I, the betting mechanic should be like not too tied into the heist stuff. Like, so it could just be an optional rule set. You can play the heist with or without the betting. Okay. Morgan, I know you had an idea floating in your head. So why don't we start with that yes. and you know address other areas uh, later? Cool. And the whole like thinking about how things can go wrong and like what can make things go wrong and like how how bad it goes wrong, that kind of deal. Um, maybe like when like, you get caught, maybe to determine like how badly it impacts the heist or like maybe to put an extra level of risk to it is like a deck of playing cards and like have like a certain or like one suit of playing cards or something and like one particular card you draw is like you're all caught and you're all done i don't know it's a very vague idea but like introducing some chance there to like i don't know increase the difficulty So an idea I I similarly had is like when you use one of your words, you would like Uh roll a die or something Uh and maybe like four through six, you're like you're successful, you get away scot-free. Like one through three, it's a, you know, a partial success. You still succeed, but that would like tick up whatever kind of suspicion Mm -hmm. meter or like something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. I I like the idea of like, just because we have that kind of gambling theme in the background and like casino heists are kind of a genre trope, like using playing cards instead. Yeah. Like maybe you have like a strong suit, which could be like spades or diamonds or hearts, like whatever feels appropriate for your, your role in the heist. And maybe like a a weak suit and two, the other two are neutral suits. You draw a card. If it's a strong suit, no consequences. If it's a like one of your, your two neutral suits, maybe like a small consequence. If it's your, mm-hmm. your weak suit, it's a bigger consequence. Yeah. Does, that, does that feel kind of like what you were going for? I think so. I think I was more like thinking like, because you were talking about like the suspicion ramping up and like, you know, the the likelihood of things going wrong ramping up like... I don't know how you're tracking like the suspicion going up or whatever, but like maybe once the suspicion hits a certain threshold, like you draw from a deck and a certain card will like mark like you're like done for like a bigger consequence, but I'm not sure. I think I've got an idea to incorporate this in the game. Okay. So Mm -hmm. each player has their list of words that they can use to prompt uh, like storytelling advancement. Yeah. So we could assign ahead of time to each of the words that a player might have either a suit or a card. So like a number and a suit and around if each person takes uh, or uses one word to say what their character is doing, maybe drawing a card from the deck. If you get a match, that might mean that word backfired Like, uh, just looking here, the mastermind has uh, logic as one of their words. They might be in a situation, they try to logic their way out of it. They describe what they do after their turn or at the end of the round, however the flow of play works. 
you flip a card up. Uh, maybe logic is like uh, clubs. You get a match, and then the GM can add extra consequences just because that word ended up matching a draw. Uh, Michael was just listening in while I was on mute, and uh, he was saying it might be interesting if the betting mechanic were actually more like built in, and maybe you are trying to do exactly what your your animal your your betting guy, and then you have your character guy, and you're trying to bet on something, and then have your character do it. And the and the thing that the game mechanic could be like you're trying to make the thing happen, and people can use their words or their cards to try to to try to like either support or sabotage that moment. So you're trying to make it match up. Uh, does Mike want to get on Mike? <laughs> you want him to? I mean, he probably has more to say about this than I would. Sure. I mean, since since he's there, he, he yeah, he's been on the podcast well. before. Right, more more voices, more choices. I'll put it in front of him then, and he can talk, and I will. I will not. No, you can. Which, you can still talk. Just uh, share. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just listening in. Um, seemed to me that the betting mechanic is a fascinating thing over and against the actual role playing. So really, the betting is at the forefront of all of this, and perhaps one character can bet that the heist is going to go in a particular way, and then perhaps another character can place a bet against that particular bet. So you're sort of stacking up all of these bets against each other. You can sort of discuss how you want to play this out and try to sort of undermine each other in the betting part of this. And then actually going through the heist might only be a five or 10 or 15 minute part of this whole process, because really what you're thinking about is how to leverage these bets against each other. So you're, the characters that you're playing are sort of these steaming betting characters and the actual reality of, of whatever the heist is, is almost secondary to the whole focus of what people are thinking about. Again, I just, I came very, very late to the party. I was only listening to about three minutes of this, but that was just sort of what was on my <laughs> mind. Hmm. And I'll step away again. Hmm. Uh, one thing... Mike's suggestion kind of gets me thinking of are ways that uh, like this betting mechanic could encourage players to like work together, that they might have some incentive to set other players up to do a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was thinking of working with my suggestion of having like specific cards tied to the words, maybe trying to make a poker hand by combining like, different players words as like the kind of like betting objective or like what might pay out from a bet like uh the right combination of words between different players corresponding to a poker hand that fits very well with sort of what i was thinking one thing that was kind of on my to-do list but i didn't go over because i'm not completely sold on it was like a loyalty mechanic in, in a heist, there's people who are like more a team player or less or like they're on their own kind of mission. Like once they get into the building, they run off and do what they want to do. And like maybe that's kind of maybe like a secret role type thing where when you're you're doing these hand buildings, you don't necessarily know like, oh, does this person just not have the card we need or do they have like uh, do they have a different loyalty than the rest of us? Like, does that complicate things too much? Does that, like, shift the focus away from the heist too much? Does that feel like a fun thing that you would want to play with? 
Well, what we were talking about is that the heist is actually very, you, and you said it before, right? The heist is, even in the world, very secondary. It's really just about this reality television and the betting, right? Is what the mm-hmm. world is about. So yeah. it makes sense with the world building. Is it more fun? I guess it depends on what kind of game player you like to be. So I guess that's just a matter of like, what kind of games do we like to play? Is the betting and the setup and the like, you know, t- like all that is really fun for some people and just like the action packed adventure is fun for other people. I like both things. So I, I'm saying either one sounds cool to me. I'm just getting confused <laughs> about how like to do the whole like Mad Lib style role play heist, but also betting and poker and yeah. prioritizing the gamble moles, which I'm still not entirely like certain on what they are since like that was made up when I wasn't there and like I'm it's mostly like I'm not tracking what this like actually works as or like I'm not mm-hmm. tracking what the rules would be for that. Yeah. I agree like simply from a game making perspective it would be a lot easier just to construct a straightforward heist like system and i i had envisioned the the betting as kind of a secondary thing so mm-hmm. i don't want that to to overtake the heist part the and like the season is like a, a heist yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's set aside the the betting thing for now. <laughs> See if we can make a a functioning heist game and if that doesn't take an hour, we can we can look into other things. Yeah. With like talking about kinds of games that people want to play, like I I kind of like to play with the mechanics that are getting like kind of proposed if they're all combined, it kind of feels like a game that I would need probably like a few gameplay sessions through to learn or understand what I'm doing. And that mm-hmm. feels like a much bigger investment than like, kind of like, okay, roll the dice and maybe draw for a consequence and see what happens there. Yeah. For, for our purposes, this is going to be a one shot. So yeah, we, we should focus on ease of, of play and creation and like getting into the game pretty quick. Right. So the the player objectives in that case are just going to be completing the heist. Yeah. Like out of podcast, I'll write up like a se- a separate GM section about creating a heist or like collaboratively working together to create the heist. But I'm not okay. going to worry about that for the podcast's sake since we've done that over 8 episodes. So at the start of the game, the players are going to know what the setup of the heist is, what their overall objective is. Yeah. And like even down to the security features of the heist, like that's something they'll create together beforehand. Because in heist, you have all these like these experts, like, you know, you're going to need a hacker or a safe cracker Mm -hmm. or or like a marksman. So like they'll know what the the challenges are so they can kind of create their characters to meet those challenges. Mm-hmm. How, would you like do it like the, whatever, the quiet year or whatever? Like, okay, now you build a, what do you, what's, what's the machine? What question do you answer about what this room is like? What character comes along to like 
potentially spoil the game is or is it just or are people just doing it is it sort of doing it like a whole cloth yeah i i don't think i'd get like that specific with it like the quiet year more like like you know that you're going to be facing these things you you don't know what order they're in you don't necessarily know the layout of the the place the heist is happening like you have some foreknowledge of it but not to the point where like it's all prescribed for you and who built that the gm i think that that'll be something that everybody creates together i i just haven't writ- written out how that will happen yet Oh, that's what I was saying. How does everyone create it together? It could be like the quiet year. Everyone creates it together in that way. Okay. okay. But it doesn't have to be like that. I'm just trying to understand how, how the mechanic would go of everyone creating it together without it being total chaos. That was something I was thinking I could come up with later because okay. like, mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure I know how to create like people talking to each other rules, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to make like active in-game stuff happening rules as much. That that's what I wanted to focus on is like what what does success and failure look like? What does suspicion and security look like? That type of stuff. Okay. Should we maybe start with character creation if that's going to be the first thing that happens in game, and work okay. out uh, at least the rules for that? If there's collaboration or linked backstories for that, I, I think that's uh, a good place to start. Is like where most players will be starting from. So I'm thinking like the, the way this could take form is maybe a set of questions that like, you know, ask a question to, to one player, ask a question to another player. And maybe those are like tied to the roles in some way, like with the, the masterminds, like asking something about what part of what plan did they help in, in, in the past you know, like something specific to that role and what that role does. Each role, like, and by role, you mean like the job that you select. Uh, yeah. They have a set of questions that you can pull from instead of a, a general set of questions that everyone can pull from. So if you're, if you're the, you know, tech guy, you ask, and what strange machinery do, do we find in, you know, the shark room or I don't know. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like more character creation focused. So like connecting your character to to another character. Uh, Are each of the roles going to be locked in with the words available to them? I think they each have six, and that's including deciding to fail on something. Yeah. Okay. And if we want, we can expand that list, say... Here, here are eight words. Pick four of them. You also get uh, failure and flashback. So as it is, using a word expends it for you. You can't use the same word again until you fail. And then you get, do you get one back or do you get all your words back when you fail? That's, I don't know. What, what do you think works better? Like, I envisioned it as you get one back. I think the math of that works out well because... If you have four words, that's four chances to use each of them for one success along the way. Mm-hmm. Failing, replenishing one means that by the end of the game, every other action that you're doing is going to be a failure once you've used up that yeah. base four. And that kind of works in with the theme of the heist getting more perilous the longer that it goes on. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And like, if you have a word that really works for you, you can, you know, you can choose to fail, then use the word again. Or like, as, as you cross off more words, you maybe have to get more creative about how you use them. Like if like you're, you're down to your last word, like, okay, so I have to be really clever in how I solve this problem or I can fail and get back uh, disable, which I've used five times. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of more words uh, being available to the roles, but you being limited like during character creation with, uh, like you said, only four out of the eight. So as far as like creating relationships between uh, other characters go do you think the the questions are like good enough like like asking kind of like job related things or should there be something more like generalized could it be randomized like a little bit like you roll for like the emotion that you feel for each person just to like force sort of interesting interactions during role play that you have to kind of consider like you didn't pick this like feeling towards somebody else, but now you have to role play it out, or or is that too? I don't know how that works in terms of like comfort for people, but I, I for me that would be very interesting. Yeah, you know, you're working together. You don't necessarily like each other. Like you're here here for the job for right. the most part. Or you could have an intent. You could be forced into an, an intense partnership with somebody. Like you roll a, a one, and that means that you your character will sacrifice their own success for that other character. You're, that's that's the relationship mm-hmm. you have to them. And then whatever relationship they roll back to you is also randomized. So either they could be totally on board with that or that could be like the opposite of the way they feel. I mean, it would in kind of like, it could end up meaning that you have to play something that's like strange or uncomfortable, which I like. I don't know if everyone does. Yeah. Were you thinking about that as... Like, rather than asking someone, like, a very specific question, like, you feel antipathy towards this person, what happened between you? You're, you're secretly in love with this person, what happened between you? I think you could answer, I think it could be both. You roll to find out how you feel about that person, and then you can answer the question, question why. Okay, yeah, so pairing that with, pairing the emotion with a specific question? Yeah, I guess so. Character one rolls uh, a six-sided die off a list of, like, you know, different ways a person can feel about someone else. And then the first part of the sentence is, you feel, and then that thing that you rolled, blank towards whatever the focus was, how did this come about, or, or why why is that so? What, I mean, yeah, just getting the perspectives of, of different players, how, how do you all feel about that? Uh, I like it. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a good way to build up interpersonal backstory between the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could work with what we were talking about previously, even of having like that might be the way to modify your role words is with an emotion. Uh, maybe if you're mm. in the scene with whoever you have this emotional bond with, uh, Mm. you can modify your action with that emotion. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That sounds cool. I like that. Uh, If you're suspicious of one of your teammates that you're in a scene with, you could maybe uh, suspiciously uh, 
detonate something if you were uh, the demolitions. <laughs> what if the emotions was a a way you could like intervene in someone else's action? Like if you're in love with somebody, you could like jump into a situation where they're about to be caught. Or if you hate somebody, you can like do something to to cast more suspicion on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It's like a Mm -hmm. one-time effect that you can use like sometime in the game. That'll kind of keep like that extra level of motivation on players' minds if it's something they know they can like turn to. Definitely. Like I, that that's a way to like create drama is is having to work with somebody that you know that you have a negative relationship with and you're never quite sure like, oh, are they going to use their word to fuck me over or are they going mm-hmm. to be focused on on getting the job done? Mm. It, it's not like a full loyalty. You're either like on the team or against them, but you have this thing that is hanging between the two of you. And you're never quite sure which way it's going to swing. Would it also be like, okay, so you have an animosity towards one person. You're going to use your word to affect the scene. Does everybody go and then we resolve the scene? So if you say, I'm going to do this, you know, negative thing to that person because of animosity, can someone who has a positive effect towards that person counteract? Do we like go in turns to build the scene completely, like with actions and reactions and then play out the result of the scene or go step by step. I'm going to direct that question to Russell since you play (laughs) a lot more like board and card games that have that kind of like one upsmanship, like can you cancel Mm. a cancellation card or whatever? What, how does, how does that feel to you in a role-playing game? In a role-playing game, I would rather see each step of it played out. The narrative builds up. Even if something might counteract something else i'd rather see it well yeah i don't know like how often that would end up playing out as something feeling like it's retcon versus something feeling like it's another advancement of the story but my instinct is to say let each thing play out and then there's a swing back and forth with the effects. okay i i I trust that (laughs) It does sound like I was talking about a like a card or a board game now that I think about it. I mean, that's a good question to have, though, because like that's something that I can easily see coming up in play is like, like, can I cancel your cancel like before it happens or do we have to let it play out first? Yeah, well, the game is kind of all about building out these descriptions from the very simple words. So I feel like we don't want situations where we're, like, not doing that expansion on the word if, like, one word just cancels out another word. And we should always, like, lean on the the desire to, like, keep building up the description. Yeah, because, like, in a role-playing game, it doesn't feel good to have your action just, like, canceled or have no effect. Or you, you should, like, if you want to, like, play out this character moment, it doesn't... It doesn't seem right to have another player just step in and say, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, some good role-playing advice that I've heard that I think is going to be especially helpful in this game is to have multiple failure states where a failure doesn't like stop the plot dead in its tracks. It just complicates it. Yeah, that that is a, a good segue we can, uh, if if people feel good kind of with that, emotional creation system to like 
try and figure out what what are these fail states? What does failure look like? Mm. So this might also be the place to incorporate that uh, suspicion system that maybe overall suspicion is counting up as there are failures. Because I figure like failing in a heist is either like not advancing in the direction that you expect or risking being caught. All right. Okay. With those, those two tracks in mind there, I envision like, because heists are all about experts, like, success isn't ever really in question like that's why you have to choose to fail in order to get a word back because otherwise you you know what you're doing you're you were chosen to do this job this is the job you're good at it and so consequences come from the attention you draw to yourself or security catching up with you or or like you said failure kind of throws off your plans makes you like go into another direction to try to do the same thing. Yeah. Danny, maybe you can set us up with an example obstacle that we would face on this heist and we can kind of play out uh, what using some of the words against it might be like. And that might get us thinking like in game enough to figure out what Mm. failing against it might be. Okay. That's a, a good idea. Just when I thought I was out. Hello, Wanderers. It's been a few seasons since we've done one of these game-making episodes. If you like hearing people make games in real time, I have two podcasts you should check out. Playtesting and Unplaytested. Both of them involve creating a game on the spot using absurd suggestions. Do you want to hear about a job interview styled as a dating game show? Listen to Playtesting. Do you want to hear about Home Alone, the RPG? Listen to Unplaytested. Groceries escaping from a fridge? Playtesting. Using knives as a resolution mechanic? Unplaytested. Mammoths exchanging bad Christmas gifts? Playtesting. Combining the last video game we've all played into one tabletop game? Unplaytested. Playtesting and Unplaytested. If you've remembered one name, you've almost remembered the other one. Uh, These podcasts are in no way affiliated with each other, or this podcast. This is basically free advertising for them. I just like them, and I want other people to like them too. Anyway, back to the podcast I'm affiliated with, which is this one, Pod of Wonder. I am definitely listening and enjoying, so... (laughs) Okay. I've been as I feel motivated. (laughs) Yeah, please, please do. I, I, I'm, I'm all crampy and tired today, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess to maybe try and create the authentic game experience, um, each of you pick a role out, and, and we, each of you uh, approach the challenge with one of your words, and we'll just uh, play it out. Okay. I'll say the muscle. All right. I will be... I'll be the face. Muscle and face, they seem like a good team. Yeah. Classic duo. Classic. Simple. And do you think it would be helpful to give you a task that's like tailored to your strength or something like that isn't your specialty that you might have to think a bit more to deal with? Maybe something a bit tougher and then that might set us up to think about failing too. All right. Okay. 
We'll say um, the muscle. You know there are going to be some security guards outside this uh, this mansion that you need to sneak in. You know, obviously the the actual game will have a, a lot more setup for this, but you're you're around the corner from them. You see beefy security guards standing in front of the the door that you're expecting to go through. It's otherwise dark except for like a small overhead light. Um, not not directly over the the guard, but like you can see him in the light of it. And if you're you're maybe if you're within like five feet of him, he might be able to see you. I mean, well, this is the question I have about how the the turns go. Is that seems like a really great thing for muscle to do? Is it a one on one, or can I assist? Because maybe I can distract or charm. You know, is that is it something where we should agree on how we're going to come at it two pronged? Um, good question. Your actual high swells are are more in depth than this. Like this is just a generic challenge. Like before you even get into the heist part of it, so like anybody can tackle this however they like. It's not like your specialized job to do this. It's just a challenge you need to overcome. And this muscle is like standing outside. You said it's like standing outside of the center or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in front of the the side door that you were you're going to you were planning to go through. Uh, this is a mansion. Are there any like cars around? Um. I'd say there is a, like, a valet. So, like, a big circle outside the mansion. You drop your car off with somebody. They drive it off to a, a separate lot. Okay. So not, not immediately in front of you, but you, you, you theoretically could access a car if you wanted to. Okay. I've got an approach in mind. Okay. Uh, I'm going to use my word smash. I'm going to pick up... Uh, like a little rock from around the garden, throw it at the overhead light above this guard, smashing the light uh, to make it easier for all of us to sneak into that side door while he's in the dark. Okay. Right there, I'm seeing a mechanic that we would need to focus on since this isn't necessarily like getting past the guard, but it is setting up another character for success whatever mechanic the the next person does should get some sort of bonus to whatever they do because you you've thrown the area into darkness but also maybe the guard into um high on high alert also true so depending on the approach you take if darkness would be helpful to you you would get an advantage and if not maybe the the guard's heightened suspicion would possibly I wouldn't say it would give you a penalty unless like unless the muscle were actively trying to fuck you over. So I'd say like at most you're neutral and depending on what you do, you could get a bonus to it. So you've sort of done the distraction. We don't need to we can just slip now behind the the guard. What if each obstacle and this is something that the GM would set up as they're setting up the obstacles for the heist? tally your successes and failures maybe almost like uh death saving throws in DD. there's a number of successes you need to get to advance past it and then maybe a number of failures that if you get that you advance maybe not forward but to another obstacle uh like as far away from the objective as that current one was 
Yeah, I I like the idea of, of a, a cumulative successes. Yeah, is either success or failure and tracking that. That then like that would give the narrative chance for uh building on previous successes. So for example, my smash then sets up distract or deceive for like the next success we need. So it would it would still count like as a success towards getting past the obstacle, but maybe not like as high a success as it would be for like a, a sneaking. So I could say I disguise myself as as a as a handyman that's like, oh, these I was told these lights are gonna, you know, start the, the bulbs we put in them, I don't know, there's something faulty and they've they've been exploding. Can you can you come over here and like help me, you know, you know, tell me what's going on as I get up here and, and try to change that bulb. So now he's he's in the dark and he's focused just on me. Is that is that what you mean? And that that's how we build the steam. So Russell does a thing and then I pick the thing on my list that I feel like most supports it. And then the next guy, maybe there's a thief and he could sneak behind or whatever. Black but yeah. And then depending on the number of successes that might be required for like given the obstacle, that's when the GM would know to transition to like, all right, you've passed this and start setting up the next scene. Like, so ra- rather than like knocking out a light, kind of making what the next person does easier, like say you need like five successes to get past this guard, like knocking out the light would count as like one or two successes, depending on like how, how the, the player and the GM decide on the effectiveness. And then the, the disguise talking to this person could be like the other three successes they need to count as like defeating this obstacle the gm says okay you you've defeated this obstacle what happens like how do you get past this person successfully okay yeah i think that might also give gms a little bit of leeway since using any word is a success but they can still have some discretion about how successful it is if there's this kind of this numerical value of success that the players are aiming for. Okay. I don't know if we want to do that by dice roll or any other random element or just leave it up to the GM. If the story, if you can figure out how to build the story, like you, it's more successful. Each word is more successful as opposed to like, we could all see three different things. And once it needs three successes to like succeed, and muscle starts with one, it counts as one success. If you, and then the next character can, like, if they can build on the story, it counts as two successes. So you've only really, as a team, lost two words, as opposed to if everybody does a different thing, you would lose three words. Or if it's, yeah, I'm trying to figure out exactly how. Yeah, it's kind of like the, like, effectiveness rating from uh, Brinkwood and, and Blades in the Dark. Like some actions will be more or less effective than others, but it's still going to accomplish something. And and you know, depending on the player, like if you're if you're like really good at selling this particular action, then you know, maybe you can talk the GM into to giving you a higher rating. But 
like e- even if you can't you know spin a really good description you're still getting something done i was just thinking of how each situation looks as either everyone goes talks about it together and resolves or each person plays individually and it resolves hmm. I-, I think like Kind of with the interventions, like letting the action play out like one at a time, because you don't necessarily need everybody doing something if like like if one particular action can can clear it. Yeah. And that would be like if in the narrative, everyone's together. I feel like it's a common thing in heist, probably more often than not, the team's going to be split off and doing different things. Right. To... A certain extent, I think you can like weight the difficulty of things based on like if other people are around because if people are splitting off, then they're they're going to do their specialty thing. So it wouldn't necessarily be any difficult or easier to have another person around because you're already the person most capable of do of doing that thing. Right. Yeah. So how does that scene resolve? So. I think we've we've covered what success looks like. How how do you think we should cover like failure and consequences? Like somebody overhears uh, a light shattering. Uh, do do you fail? So if you choose to fail, do you fail on your own, or does the party fail the challenge? Uh, it's an individual failure, and I think maybe like with the words you you describe in what way the failure happens. And, you know, if you describe things in a way that implicates other people, like maybe that would cause them to fail, but it it doesn't inherently cause one or the other. Okay. So if you fail at a particular obstacle, is that obstacle now an impasse? Do you need to find a different way to do the same thing or a different way to advance to whatever the next obstacle might be? Hmm. So what I was talking about, about tracking both a number of successes and a number of failures on like a per obstacle basis, uh, that gives like a little bit of room to fail and maybe still overcome that obstacle, but then eventually failing and turning it into an impasse. I think, you know, and, and a lot of this depends on like how the scenarios play out, but I could see like you you try to talk to the guard to see if he'll just let you in if that fails that doesn't necessarily cut you off from doing other things but like talking to him again won't be successful right and if you talk to him and it fails and then also we decide to try to like put the light out and it fails now it's pretty hard to get past this guy but it also might be pretty dangerous to leave him in play it's, I don't. I don't know how yeah. I feel about it. I mean that that comes to my idea of making failure a choice. So, like, if for some reason everybody chose to fail on the same challenge, I mean that's kind of up to them. But like, where the the mechanical impasse is in like what is a straight up success with no consequences versus what is an action that succeeds but but has a consequence to it right because you wouldn't want okay so if you have three people doing the same action and one of them just like goes oh you guys got this i'm gonna choose to fail this time you know and uh you know i'm gonna get a word back but there doesn't actually there's no consequence for it really because you're already in a win condition i wouldn't like that yeah 
like failure should be like meaningfully failing. Like you can't say, oh, I'm going to fail and make a noise over here. So the guard comes and inspects it, leaving the door unguarded. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Failure has to be in contrast with your objective. Yeah. But does it also have ramifications for the the party as opposed to just yourself? Or maybe uh, the GM has like a fixed number of obstacles that have to be overcome in total by the party for them to be successful on the heist. And so if you fail, the penalty is that there's one added. So you may not, the party may not fail at this one in particular, but there's going to be another one that needs to Right. So the party would still have to overcome something different to get up to their total number of obstacles overcome. And then maybe however many obstacles that the party failed that turned into impasses for them, those might be adding to that suspicion. That number of failures might determine whether they actually get away at the end or not. Hmm. So they might have like broken through enough stuff to like get to their objective to like steal whatever it is they were trying to do, but then they might still get caught or like partially caught depending on how many previous failures they had. So like I would be simultaneously tracking like the number of challenges they overcome and the number of failures that happen. So like at a certain point, like, okay, you you got the thing you needed, but you had this many failures along the way, so something happens that prevents this from being a complete success. So is that an out-of-game consequence, though? No, so I think that could be, like, the GM could then, like, add obstacles on their way out, maybe based on those previous failures. Right, so, okay, so yeah, you failed. So now you got it. But now it's way harder. Now now you still have things in front of you. It's way harder. You can't just leave. Yeah, what they chose to fail on the way in is then like a cost to get out. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a kind of logical scaling up of the base challenge system. Like you need this many successes to overcome a challenge. You meet, You need this many overcome challenges to succeed in the heist. Like if you fail at a challenge, it you have to approach it in a different way. If you have, if you've had this many challenges, the the heist becomes more difficult on on your way out. I like that. And then it, it even gives the GM some room to think like, okay, these are the sorts of things that they failed on earlier. So what kind of complications is that causing for the escape? And these individual failures, if even if your party succeeds in the thing that you were attempting, the individual failures are building into this end cost. Yeah. Like your, that way your failures don't necessarily like just fall on you as an individual. Like it raises the suspicion level as a whole. People are going to be looking out for suspicious things everywhere. Like someone else might get caught up in that net, whether they were suspicious or not. Cool. Yeah. So what, what do you think then determines uh the the consequences or the suspicion do we want to leave that up to the gm or could it be something like a die roll or a card draw that that feels a little more random but less like i need to describe this in every possible way so that i don't get consequences i don't i like the randomness a little bit i think it makes it fun so what would the dice or cards correspond to for the challenge 
you know, a, a simple like clean success versus a success with a consequence. Maybe if you wanted to break that down even further, like if, if the GM had like a number of successes in mind with your action, say like this was going to give you like two stars towards bypassing this obstacle. I've been imagining them as stars. Yeah. If you you roll a die and you get a six or you draw your card and it's a, your strong suit, you get an extra success on top of that, maybe. So you can kind of claim I'm succeeding or I'm failing. Right. And then the role which determines kind of how much success. I guess like the degree of success and if any sort of negative attention comes from that success or not. And is there any mechanic that rewards connectivity or like creativity or are we going to leave it very numbers based? I think that comes in in the GM determining like how how many stars you're going to get for the action you take. Okay. Okay, so the GM's determining that or well is the GM determining that or is the dice determining that? Uh, well, yeah, that's my, kind of my question. Yeah, I envision the GM determines, like, the difficulty. Like, you need five stars. You know, the action you're taking will give you two stars out of that five that you need. Okay. What What were you in, imagining, Russell? Oh, no, I think the same thing. I'm just, I don't know if the dice still fit into that, but I don't think we really need dice unless it was determining that degree of success that the GM would then just describe maybe that depends on like how much we want randomness to play into it like do do you want to have the dice or or cards or whatever there to give you a little extra boost on top of your uh your descriptions or do you do not want that there i want to say not that leaving it more about the word play and description like stands enough on its own Mm -hmm. and i think it's like highlights that unique way of uh, resolving the narrative instead of like so many games that do just use dice. So I had mentioned uh, tracking that total number of failures throughout the game or like up to the point of them you're getting to whatever the objective in the heist is. And then those failures affecting the escape. Should that tally of failures maybe be something that the players are tracking so they know each of their own failures? And then that might even be a specific difficulty for them to escape. Hmm. Like, should there be a chance of only some of the party escaping at the end? Or do they get out uh, together or not at all? I want there to be room for, you know, not everybody or or nobody. I think so, too. I think that gives some players, like, maybe even depending on those relationships, the chance to, like, set someone else up for more failures. Mm-hmm. If uh, that's what the the dynamic between them might have been. Yeah. I don't know if that's like might be too antagonistic between players, but I also think it's an interesting vibe for a heist. Like thinking of it narratively, like on your way out is is for the time for the the knives to come out and Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't know how that would feel as a, a player having that happen. Like, you think you're in the clear and and then they turn on you. But from from a story to tell standpoint, I like that. And I don't want to, like, inhibit that from a design point. Well, as a player, though, I guess it depends. I guess you write, you write the disclaimer at the beginning. But if your relationships with people are randomized, then you don't have to feel like it's directly directed at you personally you know what i mean uh-huh yeah i think that would be something to lay out in like the guidelines at the start of a game yeah like that, that's probably something at the start of the game to be like all right what like what are people okay with as far as like being betrayed or like bad feelings between people you should you should agree at the start whether betrayal is on the table or not but but going back to your question, Russell, I I don't know if this is what you meant necessarily, but it made me think of like your star meter in Grand Theft Auto, where like can every can all the players see how much suspicion is being aroused like out of game, or if that's something like the GM keeps track of. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking of is that on the character sheet instead of your hit points you have a box that's tallying up for your suspicion that's counting all your failures mm-hmm. As, okay so the whole party succeeds you've chosen to to basically sit back and fail a few times build up those points but it kind of puts you back in the order of how quickly you escape so at the end like the people who have like gone full board success standing up for everyone above board escape first and then as the consequences build the people who have been a little more shady about their situation meet them Mm -hmm. or another way to say this is that um you escape in a particular order based on your successes or failures personally and that has a mechanical advantage or disadvantage Hmm. right there might be more heat on those last people to escape. They might not even have enough words left to use to get enough successes to get past that degree of heat at the end. That would be how it ends up like playing out within the rules to figure out who gets out. Yeah. Sort of like there is a, a general like heist level suspicion, like whether people are looking out at all. And then based on individual failures, it's like, oh, well, a person of this description has been seen doing numerous suspicious things. We're going to look for them specifically. Right. So there, there is the party success or failure, and then there is the individual heat that each person is taking as part of that success or failure. But yeah, I mean, that, that can be just as simple as like GM bookkeeping on like how many failures each individual person has and... That's something that can be like kept secret, but the the rest of the party knows or has like a general idea of what the the top level heat is. Like, what is everybody like looking out for? So yes, yeah. so you can you can personally choose to succeed or fail against things which are going to have not necessarily any kind of fallout in terms of succeeding at the heist, but are definitely going to have fallout for you personally as you escape and that doesn't necessarily even need to be anything narratively that's happening um i'm just passing by the computer i i apologize no thank you so yeah just to kind of uh like reiterate kind of help this uh stick in my head 
the mechanical systems now, obstacles that have a requisite number of successes or failures to bypass them. Right. Players are aiming to overcome a certain number of obstacles to be successful on the heist. If they fail a certain number of obstacles, they're unsuccessful. Once they're successful, there's a tally of all the individual failures that players have accumulated. And that represents the difficulty to escape. Yes. Cool. I feel like that kind of works as the glue for the role-playing. I think the only other thing to like specify as far as how that goes is what exactly players need to overcome to escape. I think that like uh, what Mike was saying, that the people that have done like the most to help with the success have that easiest time getting out. What actually determines when someone gets away or not? Hmm. Um, passing by the computer again, what I'm thinking of here as sort of the, the consequences of what I'm thinking of as the order in which you get out, the, the number of successes or failures that you have on the way into the heist is going to determine how many consequences there are for being the first person out versus the last person out. So you know ahead of time that if you are the last person out, you are going to get this much consequence or this much heat, even though the entire group has succeeded, if that makes sense. So you can start to sort of scheme about how successful or fail, failureful you want to be on the way in because that's going to have consequences that you know ahead of time on the way out. You don't know narratively what they are, but you know how extreme they're going to be, if that makes sense. So you can kind of scheme on the way in to know what it's going to be like for you on the way out, regardless of the success or failure of the entire group. Does that make sense? It could use the same sort of obstacle system that the GM is using to like describe what they overcome to get in. The GM is using the same system to figure out what it's like to go in, and that's sort of stood on its head on the way out because your failures on the way in that you've chosen are going to put you in a worse position personally on the way out. And you can, you can make that sort of calculus on the way in. Um, although now that I'm describing that, that seems sort of kind of fraught because as successful as I am on the way in, that's going to be beneficial for me on the way out. And that would be the opposite of sort of potentially what I have in mind. Anyway, I'll step away again. I think I've got an idea for this. Okay. So the heist is successful. It moves to the getaway phase. At this point, the GM has a tally of all the successes and failures for the players. Maybe the player with the least failures is the first one to try to get away. And to get away, they face an obstacle with one success required. They have a word to use, they get past that. The player with the second least failures tries to get away, they face an obstacle with uh, two success required. So the number of successes required for like this final obstacle to do the getaway uh, 
just goes up by one for like however far back in line you are to escape. Like I'm envisioning these getaway challenges as kind of modified by that general public information suspicion level. So like, even if you yourself individually had the fewest failures, there's still a chance that you could get caught up in something based on what other people have, have done. Yeah. I definitely agree with that, that there should be like some add on for that overall suspicion. Yeah. So it sounds to me then that the GM and I guess the players were only kind of keeping track of success or failure And we don't necessarily need to, like, randomize consequences. Like, that can just be a GM saying, like, okay, like, this just ticks up the suspicion meter a little bit. Whoa, when I came into this, I thought I was going to say absolutely nothing, and then I just started talking. Looks like there's a game designer in you after all. I guess, well, I do play enough of them. I mean, that's basically how it goes. You, You play enough of them that you make your own. Just uh, take apart other games and find weird little bits that you like and smash them together into a new game. (laughs) Mm. There's not really, like, many new game mechanisms being invented. It's more just uh, recombining stuff. Yeah. It's just just in how you assemble the parts. Like, oh, this is, like, 10% this game, 20% this one, 5% this one. Just this one aesthetic word from another. And it's a brand new thing. If I was going to boil this down, I would say Mad Libs with death saving throws. Yeah. I will take that. I like that. It feels like we, yeah, we definitely got a lot done. Are there any like lingering questions that we have or ideas we want to introduce? I don't think so. There's like specific bits of work besides like translating these ramblings into like actual firm rules. Wow, Danny. We got, Oh boy. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think that it's, it's uh, useful to inject anything else before somebody, somebody Uh involved this nonsense. Yeah. Like I, I am in the phase where I'm like translating another game into from my ramblings into something other people can read. And it is a, it is a fun experience. I keep going back to the like original idea that we were talking about where like really the heist is, it's not even a real thing. It's a reality television program for people, rich people to bet on. And that's the actual win state of the, the world. Like it's not gathering the little material or whatever it is that it's being the most interesting on reality television. So being the most evil on reality television makes you the most popular. Being the nicest makes you the second most popular. And then everything in between. That was uh, another idea for one of the roles that I had is like, you know, you, you can't start out as this role, but like at any time in the middle of the game, after, after a failure, you can say you like, you put down your old role. You say, I'm the turncoat now. I have a different set of words. I'm basically like co-GM trying to to take down the party now. And like that's just a thing in the middle of the table that like whoever grabs it first has it. What's the mechanical do you okay, is it public knowledge and 
is there a mechanical advantage in the greater in the greater game sense? Not at all. I the the the, the only downside I could think of to doing that is it like incentivizes you being a dick and that's not good role play philosophy. You know what you should table that? It's a fun idea for a very select group of people who don't mind being a dick for a day knowing that they're not dicks in general. Right. I, I can put it in an optional rule in an appendix in a separate PDF. Okay. Just like as far away from the game actual as, as it can be. Right. But yeah, I think I think I have a lot of work again ahead of me, but uh, I, I feel like we're in a good place with it. Well, thank you, Danny, for... So I always think it's awful nice of you to let everyone just like word vomit all over you and then you organize it. Super nice. I mean, we got to ideas and places that I wouldn't have gotten to on my own. So I'll, I'll take the vomit if I can pluck out the I'm not going to continue this metaphor, but you get where I'm going. <laughs> no, I'd like to do uh, this kind of thing for the games I'm working on. Even just having like thematic ideas thrown out there is a good catalyst for game design yeah it's a fun collaborative process i enjoy doing it yeah well thanks for hanging in there everybody this was longer than we normally record hey well thanks for having me i uh i guess i'll just sit around and talk about anything if you give me the space for it i appreciate that that's how podcasts get started This has been Pod of Wonder. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod of Wonder, and you can email us at podofwonder at gmail.com. You can find Danny on Twitter at DannyPlaysRPGs, and you can find the games Danny makes at DannyMixRPGs.itch.io. You can find Morgan on Instagram at MorganTheFay, and on Twitter at Morgan underscore the underscore Fay underscore. Fay is spelled F-A-E in both cases. You can find Eddie on Instagram at Monsters by Ed, and you can find the games he makes at strangebuttruegames.com. Our opening theme is Opening by Komiku. Our closing theme is Night Heist by Cool Zay. See you next crime, wanderers. <laughs>